from 87 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Matt. And I'm Adam. Into week five. five. Oh my god. That is so many weeks. You know, the thing is, Catherine uh, makes Momo calendars. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want one for next year, because this year's printing is finished, and we're, we're in April, so not much use. And I thought print calendars were pretty stupid, but I get it. I get I'm enjoying cr- using crossing our print calendar. Crossing day, off the every... days. The thing is, though, um, we've maybe plateaued. Right? You maybe. commented last night that... Um, there are fewer sirens. Fewer sirens. So so maybe we're doing better. But when you're in prison, you have a day when you get out. And you cross the days off until you get that day, right? Here, we don't know when our sentence ends. Certainly no chance of parole. I mean, it's just a very strange experience. Yeah, it is very weird because I keep hearing people talk about, okay, how are we going to reopen New York? How are we going to reopen the country? And forgetting what Trump says about this, because that's all meaningless, but serious people are, are starting to think about this. But at the same time, even if we're plateauing in New York, there is probably a really long way from plateau to zero. And even if New York deals with the problem, I think that a lot of other places around the country are really just at the beginning. I mean, in Florida today... Thousands and thousands of people went to Easter Mass. And I'm sure that a lot of people are going to get sick as a result of that because other places are not taking it seriously enough. Right. I, I don't know if there is a way to open it back up. There are rumors around schools that are going to stay remote through the first semester. Um, New York City just closed until September, right? It seemed like June may that was the time frame but i think it's going to keep slipping and like, how how are you feeling about this you're supposed to go to school in september i'll if 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 they make the first semester remote i'll take another year and go the year after right i think they'll be pretty accommodating over things like that because who wants to spend all this money and have zoom university as our guest Raphael called it right mm. no no one wants that so I'm, I'm not concerned about that, though. I'm just really, it's hard to make decisions around uncertainty, right? I think restaurants right now are really struggling because they're like, okay, if it's a week, I'll do this. If it's a month, I'll do this. If it's two months, I'll do that. And those are three different decisions, and they have no way of knowing. And, and, and no one knows, right? There's no one out there who has the answer. Mm-hmm. So it's just very hard for everyone to figure out What does this look like? And I think what's interesting is in almost any other circumstance where there's a lot of uncertainty, there's kind of someone to blame. You know, I I think it would be easy to listen to what we're saying and be like, come on, Cuomo, de Blasio, Trump even, give us some certainty. But I think that's actually the opposite of what our leaders should be doing. I think they should be giving us certainty around the uncertainty. They should be saying... It is uncertain. We're not going to put a time frame around this because any time frame that is put on reopening things is either going to be missed or is going to be dangerous. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The, the time when we needed certainty was three months ago, right? And when, we missed the boat on that. And we missed the boat on that. So now, now we don't know 
we don't know what it'll look like. And there's some people who got really excited about an antibody test, right? Being mm. able to test for antibodies. But the problem with this antibody test is it has a pretty high false positive rate. And that doesn't sound so bad. But the problem is that most people have not had coronavirus. Mm -hmm. But if you have a high false positive rate and you're testing a huge population, most of whom have not had it, you're going to have tons of people, people who are going to mm -hmm. walk around thinking that they're safe when they're not. So it's going to be really complicated to open the country. It'll be very interesting to see how it's done. Um, but we obviously have, we have nothing to say about it, right? Like we have no, we no have no expertise. It is interesting though. I did read a very interesting article yesterday on people who have had coronavirus and have recovered and now are like superhumans because they have immunity. They're like the only people in the people who were tested for coronavirus know they had it and are now better. They like can do whatever they want. They're like going over to each other's houses. I feel like all these people who had coronavirus, you know, they're going to be leaving us in the dust and our economy will be carried on by the people who were sick and the rest of us will remain locked in our apartments. Right. No one knows though how long immunity lasts. There, there are all sorts of really, really long-term questions we don't know the answers to. However, there are some short-term questions we can answer. This week, goals for the week. Goals Walk for me the through week. Them. Okay. One is actually related to this podcast. Uh, I want to get a few more listeners just beyond our parents, grandparents. Um, and I think that that will be, will be very good. So I'm hopeful that uh, our listeners, whoever you are, when you're out there, share this podcast, tell your friends. And I think we should, you know, experiment a little bit with, uh, with our format, try some new things on the podcast. So I'm excited for that. Um, and the other, other goal for the week um, I've been doing a lot of cycling recently, um, on our patio, and so, um, I have some specific training goals around that that I'm excited to, uh, pursue. Great. What about you? Uh, big update for work on Friday, so hopefully make it to that intact. Um, and then some, some new baking goals for the week, some cooking goals, try to make some pasta, make some more sourdough. The sourdough is getting better and better. Mm, I can, I can attest to this. Um, and my parents are going to be delivering tamales this week. So if you live in Brooklyn and are interested in some of the best tamales in New York city, they are driving up to Hunts Point to pick up some tamales and deliver them around. It's not an essential trip by any means, but you know, Support local business. No one else is driving at 9 a.m. on a Monday, so I think it'll be good. Don't know what the day is, but again, if you're interested, reach out. We can coordinate a tamale delivery. I think let's move now to some, some more sombering talk. Yeah, I'm not sure if sombering is a word. Somber. But yes, absolutely. I think it's a good time for our guest. Excellent. Um, well, let's give them a call, and we're going to talk about um, abortion and the law around abortion and what's happening. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Coronapod. Hey, welcome to Coronapod. Hi. Thanks for having me. How are you doing on this lovely evening? Uh, I'm doing as well as can be as a 25-year-old back in her childhood home and do you want to uh, I, I should have introduced you but do you want to introduce yeah. yourself um instead of just being you know generic uh 25 year old in their parents house yeah 
Yeah. Um, um, my name's Allison Richmond. I am a second-year law student at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, but since all our classes moved online and I live alone in a one-bedroom, I decided to uh, come back home, which is the Chicago suburbs for me, and um, mostly because my family has food and a dog. But right now, I am trying to just stay sane and keep up with my classes as well as I can. The, uh, the dog is very real. Um, we're definitely a little more sane because we have a cat Momo, so completely, completely understand that part of the calculus. Yeah. Um, so I think what would be helpful for us is to talk about what's happening in abortion law. So my kind of understanding right now is obviously there's been a lot of talk about the Supreme Court taking up abortion in the next term, but I think that's kind of less relevant. What we're talking about here is it's a law in Texas, and then I don't remember where the other law, not law, sorry, an order in Texas, and then another order in the Midwest somewhere, I'm sure you can tell me where, which are yeah. limiting the number of abortions. And can you explain what what's happening here? Yeah. So first of all, the Supreme Court heard a case last month on um, abortion in Louisiana that could have some really dire consequences. And again, we have no idea if we'll get any decision on that in June or if it'll be delayed next term. But in the meantime, um, right now there are 14 states that have either restricted or taken steps to restrict abortion access using um, COVID-19 as a justification to do so um, in orders basically banning all non-essential uh, medical procedures. Uh, these states have often gone out of their way to clarify that this applies to abortion providers. So, so they're basically trying to get all these clinics shut down and limit people's access. Um, yeah, Texas is definitely one of the um, most egregious ones and it's also um, the one that has the most like change because basically over three weeks there have been two temporary restraining orders two stays of those orders and then vacating of orders also that basically abortion has been outlawed in texas except for two 24-hour windows in the past three weeks wow so let me let's step back a minute so yeah. the, the way that people are kind of making this uh, abortion illegal right now is they're saying, hey, we are going to stop all elective procedures. So this mm -hmm. is saying, like, if, if I tore my ACL and I wanted to get my ACL fixed, that's canceled. But what you were saying is that they're also specifically saying abortion is included. Abortion is an elective procedure. We are banning it. But, I mean, I, you know, I've, we, we've all know Roe v. Wade. We all know Casey. That seems to me that, like, that is absolutely contradictory. So what is the justification for how, kind of, in a non-legislative move, the governor can ban something that, like, was clearly constitutionally protected? Right. So um, the main argument being used is that under emergency powers, the states have the right, if it is in the interest of public health, and the main arguments being advanced are that... Um, abortion uses up hospital resources and uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, which we've all heard a lot about recently, um, as well as flooding ERs. Um, because 
the states argue that um, abortion is very unsafe, so people will be going to the emergency rooms, as, and they're arguing that um, these resources will be better used in, quote-unquote, essential services, and abortion is not one. And regarding Roe and Casey, the main justification they're using is, well, this is just temporary. It's not a permanent ban. It's fine. Even though currently in Texas, it is supposed to go through um, the 21st of April, but that is um, before like federal guidelines say. So most likely we're going to see extensions of all of this as they keep trying and trying to um, move the line further back. Um, and then, but basically, all these arguments, as you usually hear with abortion cases, are not in good faith, not based in fact. Because um, basically, there's, if you're for four, 10, or 11 weeks, depending on the state, you can get a medication abortion, which basically is a set of two pills that have to be taken either 24 or 48 hours apart from each other. And because of restrictive laws already, you have to go into a clinic at least once to get those pills. But no one in that interaction needs to use any PPEs. Like it's, you're literally just going, talking to someone, getting a pill. And then, so, and then the other thing is if this only lasts four weeks, like they're arguing it would have, that's pushing people away from medication abortion into possibly a procedural or surgical abortion, which will use more PPE. So that justification doesn't make sense. But even so, it doesn't use that much. It's very few people involved. It's very quick. The thing that uses more PPE than all of this is um, pregnancy, which I think people don't always think about what the alternative is. If you're banning abortion, you're trying to force people to carry pregnancies to term, which means you're going to have to go see doctors all the time. You're going to have to have ultrasounds and testing, and you're going to have to leave the house, go to a health care provider, and that will use up PPEs, as well as the fact that um, you're going to have to give birth at some point. That's going to take a lot. And the further along you get in a pregnancy, the more at risk you are to have a major health complication. So all of that basically means that um, the best way to conserve resources is actually to let people get abortions when they want. And to the extent that you know, I'm curious what women who may need abortions or, or who had planned to get abortions and now are unable to, what are they doing? How are they reacting to this and what resources, if any, are being made available to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the delays, in, even with all the litigation going on, there's been delays and um, which also increases costs, but most importantly, it's causing people to travel. Um, travel to other clinics that may be open, usually in other states. So while obviously that has major implications in the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic, it also um, makes it just much more difficult. Um, We've seen stories of women driving from Texas to Colorado, which is a 12-hour drive each way. And basically in all of these states that are banning abortion, driving distances are increasing 
um, anywhere from 300% to 2,000%. But as usual, women are doing what they have to do. They're doing it. Um, but the thing that we aren't sure about, because you can't always track it, is how many people are resorting to unsafe methods or trying to find some other way to self-manage their abortions. So um, one of the main resources people need right now are abortion fund donations. Um, there are local abortion funds in every state, every city, and they provide money to help um, people have transportation and housing and childcare, which is also a major issue for people who are trying to get abortions. So um, definitely donate to any abortion fund you can, um, especially in Texas, they definitely need it. But also, if wherever, whatever state you're in, make sure your state is um, classifying abortion as essential, as the time-sensitive essential health care it is. Um, but yeah, I think that's the main thing. And also, I think just talking about it more, because again, there's so many things going on, and it's understandable to, you know, get kind of tired of the news, but it is something that's affecting a lot of people, and it's something that we in general don't always talk about, so I think that's one of the main things. If you can't donate, at least talk to your friends about it and tell people and explain what's going on. Got it. So what do we think happens next? You said that there are 18 states that have currently limited access to abortion using COVID-19. Do we have any sense of what, and I think it's going to the Supreme Court, do we have a sense of what the balancing test will be? what kind of the Supreme Court will weigh when they make this decision? Um, are there things that could impact it? So, for example, I was thinking, like, most of them have been around access to PPE, but if someone said, like, no, it's actually around doctors, right? We don't want doctors being used there. We want doctors to be somewhere else. What are kind of the, what are, what's it, how are, how is the Supreme Court going to think about this question? Do we have any sense, or is it kind of completely up in the air, and we'll just have to wait to see what happens? Um, well, currently there is a petition in the Supreme Court to reverse the Texas order, and they could basically just reverse that order without saying anything and not giving any explanation, which would basically mean you're going to have litigation in every other state trying to say, oh, I'm different than the Texas case, so it's fine, or they might come out and um, actually make some kind of statement or some kind of ruling on the merits saying um, that this is an undue burden, which is the language from Planned Parenthood v. Casey, on a constitutional right. The issue is that a lot of emphasis is being placed on a case from 1905, which gives um, states extraordinary um, emergency powers in times um, of like pandemic to um, have certain health measures in place. So it's just, the problem is everything is so unprecedented. We don't know how the Supreme Court is going to rule, but we do know they're not always the most consistent or on when it comes to abortion, they're not always fans. And we honestly just have to keep fighting at the state level because we can't necessarily count on the Supreme Court at this point. Got it. Yeah, sorry. It's not very, um, as it's not very nice to hear, but none of this usually is. <laughs> it's 
always kind of depressing. That's the, you know, we'll tell our listeners that's why it's important to get out and vote in 2020 to uh, yes. make sure that we can, you know, we, we already have some complete nut jobs who have been uh, appointed to lower courts and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, um, you know, Alito is the, uh, you know, most nutty of the people on the Supreme Court go forward yes. and not, and not, you know, hopefully Walker doesn't get promoted again. Yeah, and also the, some of these Fifth Circuit Texas judges are Trump judges. So you see, automatically, you see the results of elections. And so, yeah, judges matter. Judges are very important. Um, but also vote for, at state level, too. Got it. Well, They have a lot of power, too. Thank you so much for coming on CoronaPod. Um, you know, I don't think we... we got the hopeful answers we were looking for but i think uh we weren't really expecting that this is going to be a tough struggle um and it's interesting to see how some of the arguments being made about how abortion centers have to be ambulatory and have to have admitting privileges are now kind of going to another degree right it's not just Mm -hmm. like you could end up in a hospital it's you are taking precious uh ppe but as you pointed out that's a a spurious argument at best so thank you for coming on the podcast thank you for um educating our listeners and uh good luck with your classes thank Thank you you. oh and one last recommendation for anyone is the movie never rarely sometimes always is a movie that's out now streaming and it talks about the troubles of getting abortion in the normal times so Got it. Thank we you so will much. Definitely watch it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, have a good night. Thanks for talking to me and thanks for bringing this issue to light. Of course. Of course. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Yeah. Bad news. Definitely bad news. It's so interesting to hear how um, Republicans never let a crisis go to waste. Well, that, but also. I don't think people really understand how important the Trump presidency has been in appointing really conservative ideological judges to lower courts across the country. People really just focus on the Supreme Court. So obviously everyone followed the Gorsuch um, nomination and the whole Kavanaugh fiasco. But what people don't realize is that Trump has gotten really lucky and has had an incredible number of vacancies across lower courts. And this is actually really... Like he what, didn't get lucky, right? Well, like, McConnell left a bunch of shit open, right? Yeah, Like, that's he also shouldn't true. have had that's a Supreme Court nominee. But, but to your point, yeah, and it's not just across... It's across all courts, right? Right. Not just ones that were already conservative, but on the Second Circuit, you have people who are being nominated. The Second Circuit, that's where we live is now conservative. It's flipped from being liberal to conservative, and while any panel you might get of three judges might still be liberal, now there is more of a movement to take things on bonk and turn things over. So yes, it matters a lot, and really, truly scary things are happening because while we're all cooped up inside, you and I don't have to worry about carrying a child to term that we don't want. Mm-hmm. right or that isn't feasible for us to have and there are people who already had to go to extreme lengths to get an abortion and now if you live in texas i think there are two clinics or something right now mm-hmm. you can't even go to those clinics uh as allison said in the last three weeks abortion clinics have been open for 24 hours so 
it is a time-sensitive medical procedure, and our, our courts and our state government so far have failed to allow women to take care of themselves. Yeah, it's extremely disappointing, and all I can say is that I'm hopeful that in the future, our government on all fronts, on this front, on the public health front, on every front, does a better job of, um, of doing what it's supposed to do. This has been Coronapod. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay healthy. Coronapod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat.